0: You're listening to a Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast.
1: It's going to be 36th, uh, Central African time, and uh, that time of the evening, where we join our very own Anwar Qasimani segment. Driving uh, driving with Anwar. Anwar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful Tuesday evening?
0: Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, brother Shafat, the heat has the better of us, I think, here in Durban. I don't know how the other provinces are managing, but every single time you open the the news, it's something about a heat wave. And inshallah, you know, tomorrow they, they feel according to the weather, man, that it'll lessen a little. So inshallah, we just have to wait and see tomorrow, brother, inshallah. Yeah, absolutely uh, spot on, Anwar, because when I'm looking, the grass is getting browner
1: and browner, and so when will the rain come? And, and when the rain comes, with hey, so much of rain, and then uh, the cables get affected, and then we get load shedding, four days, three days, two days, Allah Alam. But uh, moving on, Anwar, uh, looking at some of our topics, and a new study reveals uh, the 20-most eye-catching cars in the world. Anwar, you've got an
0: eye for cars, too. Talk to us. No, Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, technology is advancing to a point, I think it's overwhelming, maybe we're old school, I'm not really sure, but uh, in UK, Auto Trade itself, which is a household name, actually came up with a system, it's called the eye tracking technology, where they actually took 40 vehicles and they looked at how many seconds a uh, person's eye actually monitors a vehicle. And in so doing, they figured out that you know this is the most popular, and these are the unpopular vehicles. And the aim is to actually develop and design uh, future cars with this technology. How far it is, true, I'm not really sure. What they found in the study is Porsche 911 actually took 91 uh, percent because people actually viewed it for 2.51 seconds. And 2nd is runner-up to actually the F40 nineteen eighty 1980 uh, vehicle, obviously the car at the speed of 300 odd kilometers an hour and you know and the Lexus so they came in at 88 percent my point being you know when it comes to all this technology uh, they actually found that 60 percent uh, of the people actually viewed the expensive cars uh, first and thereafter they went to, very few actually viewed on the electrical vehicles you know the EV vehicles has remained work. I'm not really sure about what they aim to get off it. I, I just personally believe that, you know, with all this technology, I'm bound to admire a sports car. So I'm obviously going to look at it a little longer than a standard uh, vehicle, and that is what I believe that came of it. But obviously, because of the technology that they uh, spent, uh, they grafted into it, uh, they feel that it has a dual purpose. So I, I'm not really sure about that, really i give you full few marks in your analysis there because, uh, yeah,
1: obviously the sports car, everyone know, will look at it because it's uh, different uh, to the normal cars. And, uh, you know, uh, as you said, uh, you know, the eye catches are the cars that are not the normal cars. Uh, but uh, this is a human trait, you know, always to look at cars. And how many of them get that feeling, hey, you know what, I wish I had this car, I won that car. Uh, how many of them are oblivious, uh, you know, they say, ah, uh, good luck
0: to him and so forth. What's your thoughts on that, Anwar? I, I personally believe, I'm not one to chase dunya things, you know, especially vehicles. I feel a, a vehicle takes you from A to B. It's a good mode of transport. It's reliable. It suffices. That's my personal opinion. But I do admire luxury cars in the sense of sports cars, especially the Ferraris, and. Uh, the height of it, the design that goes into it, uh, the carbon fiber bodies. Yes, I am intrigued by all that, day, most definitely, you know, but uh, I, I suppose a lot of people might just feel, you know, for that moment they get caught in this rat where they actually feel they somebody they're not, you know, so a lot of times you'll notice on social media, you know, kids especially, they, they love these sports cars and people are out in the you see the faces are overwhelmed with the smiles, you know, so I suppose it just takes you to another place uh, just for that moment. It's good as you leave in your home that has all the necessities that you desire, and you go out the hotel, and it's got actually less amenities that you'd expect, but somehow you get to enjoy yourself much more. So, I suppose it's just a, 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 a free or a get away from your mind, I would put it. I tell you, Anwar, you're putting a chuckle, here. Yeah?
1: You're putting a smile on my dial because you said, <laughs> you know, this person will go and driving that car and you check me out. All the time, he's got a big OD from the bank and, you know, well, hey, he's paying for everything. But, you know, he's got this meretricious look about him and showing the meretricious car to everyone. And then you find that individual, when there's a function, he'll put the car at the entrance and he'll open the boot 20 times, you know, just to tell the people, hey, check me out. I own this car. I don't
0: <laughs> How many characters you know that do that? I mean, it's, uh, sadly, I I know quite a few, Anwar. You know, I, it, it brings me back to the time when I had my GTI. Had many, many moons back. Obviously, I was immature. I was young. I was a speed freak at that period of time. I held the fastest Golf 1 GTI in Durban for quite a while. And uh, obviously, it was a racing where we used to actually race against his cops, and that time they had this Forza Fires, it was called the Blue Flame Motors. I'll never forget the M3s just came out of that period of time. And obviously, from robo to robo, we could actually so called bang them. You know, we were very quick, the GTR was exceptionally fast. But then you come to a robo that's a distant, you know, and then obviously you'll drive your vehicle, but you'll never take off, you know, to race the guy, and you back off. And he gets frustrated with you because, yeah, he's sitting in an expensive vehicle and you've got this moderate, small car, golf as such, you know, and you beat him, all the robots. And finally, when he gets the opportunity, he gets frustrated because you actually back out of the race. Exactly the same. I, I suppose everything to do, you know, uh, the, the world we live in is a social world in the sense that you meet expectations of others, not to yourself. And that disappoints me because you find that everyone is digging deep into pockets when there's no more money left. They put themselves in dire straits when it comes to debts, you know, just to keep an image because the society expects you, you know, to be on that level at all periods of time. And I do have friends, Mora who's actually exceptionally rich and they drive modest cars. When I say modest cars, they drive one liter vehicles, standard vehicles. You will never say they are wealthy in any sense. You know, so I suppose it's left to the person themselves, what image or the portrayal of themselves, and I I suppose the long-term effect will be how would they want to be remembered when they leave this dunya, and that I think is an important aspect of anyone's life. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, the anecdote, the love of this world is a
1: source of misery, and you know, the more you want the dunya, it's like drinking salt water, the thirstier you become, and uh, while... Remembering the BMW
0: E32 7 Series? you remember these BMWs? They were quite popular, Anwar? Most definitely. I think what happened, you know, in that either, it was actually produced in 1986 to 1994. One of the most remarkable luxury vehicles. BMW at that period of time, Mercedes didn't adapt much to modern technology, so BMW held the reins for a little while. Now, with the specific BMW, we're talking about the E32. They actually won the car for a year in 1988, and the following year, I think it was, uh, they went against some uh, radical cars out some of the sports cars, because that is the league they're actually placed in, and some of the aspects of the vehicle. You know, although it was such an early developed vehicle, it was actually developed I uh, I think I remember clearly. Right. And it, it took him about four years to design this vehicle. And one of the very few vehicles that actually came out with LT lights because they considered when you turn in that people could see your your lights, your indicators as such. Uh, it came with uh, double glazed windows, it came with section control, it came with all the first The beauty of this vehicle, what made it extraordinary at the time, it came with Xenon lights. Now, Xenon Light, it became a standard feature in most of the modern vehicles that we know of today. But at that period of time, it it was really a breakthrough in technology when it came to these vehicles. And in total, they sold, I think, somewhere to the tune of 311,000 of these vehicles. Somewhere along the line, Alpina. I remember the time when I was in school, you get Alpina development. So they got hold of those BMWs. And if you look at the 730 to 735, uh, The uh, uh, 75i, I would put it, and the 750i that had a limited speed of 250 kilometers an hour. Because in that period of time, I remember reading up an article about this. Because the limit in South Africa is 250 k's an hour. Every vehicle that is imported, even a sports vehicle, has to be limited at 250 k's an hour. I am not really sure we uh, actually utilize that 250 k's, but that is the laws of the country. And this was one of the vehicles that actually came in with that limit. And when Alpina actually got into this vehicle, they they created a 4-liter 740i, and only seven of these were produced. Then they went up to... Uh, producing uh, the B12, the 750i, which was 304 of them were produced. So they became iconic also at this uh, period of time because of development. Alpina, that's why you'll notice a lot of BMWs that powered by Alpina as such, or Alpina on the back of the windscreen, you know, just to display the fastness or the production of that vehicle. At that time, being a heavy vehicle, or close to, I think, two tons of seven uh, series was, you know, it had a top uh, uh, zero to 100, I think it was just over 10.9 seconds you know some claim it was 9.9 but uh, generally when uh, the uh, car magazine at that period of time did a run it was actually 10.9 so i'm not really sure whether it was weather permitted uh, or such but uh, that is the the figures they got that period of time the beauty of this vehicle if we consider the aspect you know i'm actually looking to buy a small vehicle at this present moment because of fuel economy and to run around and the average vehicle starts for well over 200,000 rands. I'm talking about the one liter at the present moment. Now, at this vehicle, being as what as it was, it sold in 1989 for 139,000, which equates to, I think, just over 1.3 million in today's times. Yet today, for 140000 you can barely buy anything by ship, but let alone a new car. You know, you, you're you barely lucky to buy a demo car. So obviously, it was an iconic vehicle at the time. Uh, you know, it was said that a lot of gangsters used this cars and mobs and such because of the so-called bulletproof window because of the double glaze. But it made a mark and a name for itself in the period of time back until 1994.
1: Well, uh, well yeah, I remember that uh, quite a few of our uncles had it. And uh, yeah. Some of our friends also. And now, you know, everyone's
0: listening to you, well, How to maintain your car when money is tight? You know, it's a tricky question, really speaking, because, you know, most of the vehicles, one needs to understand that it comes with aluminium heads, aluminium blocks, meaning that it's very refined. A lot of them are hydraulic. Some of them come with shim with heads. So the, the reason I'm mentioning this is because the, the importance of the oil that you utilize. Now, when you go to any of the uh, garages or outlets where you purchase these items, you know, the servicing spares, they generally give you general oil. You know, when I say general oil, 20W, uh, 50 as such, or multi-purpose oil, or, you know, SAE 40, which became virtually obsolete, it's more for the older vehicles as such. But the modern vehicles, they take generally fully synthetic oil. So oil is something that a person needs to actually look at the book or Google it. I mean, Mr. Google is very helpful. You know, it has to exactly what is specified in your vehicle. Because if you look at fully synthetic oil, it ranges from anything between $460,000 to about 700. dollars 5 meter and if you look at the general oil the standard oil it's anywhere around 239 cents so the first and foremost, thing a person needs to remember, it's not a matter of saving money, saving the life of your engine, you know? And that is crucial. So oil is of importance when it comes to filters, a lot of, in anything, especially in vehicles, you have a lot of aftermarket products that is actually flooding our markets. Now one needs to be guarded because when it comes to filters, even at my shop, I'm very particular as to what filter I use. I need a brand, not because it's a brand, because it has been tested, it is ISO 2000, it has been liable in the market. That is the reason I use it. You know, so maybe given the time, the new uh, filter that comes into the market, you know, if it proves itself a few years down the line, most definitely I will most of consider using it, maybe because of the price or structure as such. So oil filter, oil is obviously crucial. That's the, the heart or the blood of your motor. When it comes to plugs, once again, I find very, very frequently people come into the shop and, you know, we need a service, and service entails three filters, oil and plugs, five items, you know. But what people generally don't realize is a lot of these vehicles coming out today is coming out with the iridium and lithium plugs, meaning that it has a lifespan of sixty to ninety thousand Ks, some of these plugs. So there is absolutely no reason to change it so frequently. We all have this mindset of doing an oil service or a service every fifteen or twenty thousand Ks. That mindset needs to change because I think first and foremost people tend to actually get wary and they want to change these plugs, but there's no real need for it. So there you can actually save yourself money you know uh when it comes to the air filter once again go on a product that you trust with and then i think uh, f- uh one of the uh, crucial things when it comes to people doing service they f- forget to change the cabin filter near the air con filter and most of them are in the vehicle most some of them are, are underneath the bond uh you know so These are the small things uh, to actually care about or worry about. Now, we know we can buy a plug spanner. We can get actually the something that's open. Some of the filters, oil filters, comes in cartridge form, which means it might need a special tool depending on the vehicle itself. But if you are changing your oil, obviously one of the steps to take is to, when you drain the oil, try to drain the oil when the vehicle is a bit hot because most of the oil actually uh, seeps out. But when the oil is draining, keep your oil cap out because it does not create a vacuum. So the majority of your oil actually leaves that engine itself. That's one sort of the important parts. Leave the container for about fifteen minutes, make sure most of it drips out. Then after put your new washer, close it up, and then you can fill your oil obviously after your oil filter in accordance to what is specified for your vehicle. You find people have five liters, a little extra oil doesn't really matter. But some vehicles take three point eight liters. So here you you actually fill over a liter extra, you know, thinking that it'll actually save the life of your motor, which is totally wrong because generally what happens when you fill too much of oil in your motor, it actually creates too much of pressure in the subcase or the crankcase as we know it, and you start busting seals. So these are some precautions that a person needs to take, but I think first and foremost, as much as we want to save money, especially in hard times, I think a person should actually do their homework, know what is specified, know what is to be changed, and know what product they are going to use in the
1: Vehicle. Thank you for that, uh, Very, very uh, comprehensive, uh, detail there, and uh, knowledge coming to the fore. And you know, perhaps a question for you, Anwar: uh, How uh, you know, famous or how uh, you know mechanics? Do you all get along as a team, or you know, each mechanic has his own space and you know
0: his own territory? Talk to me about the relationships uh, between different mechanics. You know, the irony. I've been in this field, I think, for over 30 years. And uh, I'm friends with everyone. I suppose it's my... My social skills, I will put it, I, my, my wife actually tells me I have a big mouth. I, I, I'm not really sure because I, I just tend to basically make a conversation with uh, in nobody. Let's put it that way, people I don't even know, beat on the escalator alert. So I'm basically friends with everyone. And But you do find that competition uh, rears its head, especially amongst people in the same specific field, especially if you in a close-knit area itself. You know? But I've never had the problem because here in Issa Bingo Beach, the, the most definitely is about six to eight mechanics. And we all have friends. And we all, I think everyone has family and vice versa, because when people get stuck, knowledge is something you will never know everything, especially when it comes to the mechanics of vehicles or electronics. And you'll find that a mechanic most probably had experience in that said vehicle, you know, and then he tends to phone you for advice and you can do that. So you you become a family, you know, when it comes to the field. And that is the way I look at it. That is the way I live my life for all these years. There is no competition, Dr. Shafad. I've never looked at... uh, that uh, another mechanic has competition, never did. Because so somehow your, your risk and your rosy actually comes from Almighty So it really doesn't matter to me. And that is the way I've always performed business.
1: You know, Anwar, another point is, uh, you know, many say that the mechanics are always busy. And some mechanics like yourself have cars lined up. And, uh, you know, how do you meet the deadline? Because uh, when people come to you, they want, they're looking at Anwar Kasim. They want Anwar Kasim to do the job. And if they're not happy, if Unwell didn't do it, how
0: do you uh, manage to appease uh, 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 or please your your customers? You know, the the, the fact is, uh, at a present moment and for quite a while, we are, we mechanics are actually have a problem because for two simple reasons. One is. There's not a, uh, there's not a lot of money out there in the sense I've got people's vehicles for months that is being completed. Now has a mechanic, you take a small of deposit and you actually utilize your own money to actually put into a, a person's vehicle or a customer's vehicle and obviously when it's done and obviously the the, the monthly uh, aspect of this vehicle is actually considered and agreed upon two parties uh, be, you know before the work commences. I mean that's how I always do it in business. And when the work is done you find your customers tend to avoid you i've got the i got the new bmw and i got quite a few new vehicles i got vehicles actually parked at friend's house because of space you know, so I do have that problem. I, I do have the problem where people are already short of money and they disappear thereafter. So when it comes to the efficiency of actually turning around vehicles, we've never had that problem. What we do have, we encounter those two problems and you also encounter a problem when it comes to specific spares on vehicles. You know, a, a, a good example, I'm doing the new X-Trail at the moment. And this vehicle, you've got to go online to actually, we change a thing called a BSI on this vehicle. You know, a body control unit. And uh, even the agents can control, uh, cannot do this job specifically because it is a complete unit, all the electronics in the vehicle, and that entails seven different boxes, which land an arm and leg. So we try to actually save the customer money, and that's where we, uh, you know, we might fall short because of the systems or, or, or the programs are not in place. You know, but never did I have a problem where we procrastinated on a job as such No.
1: Yeah, and what a, you know, moving on. Okay, and
0: the person can't pay you anyway what happens there? Do you charge people for storage? You know, that is, I've never done that as yet. Really speaking, I, I most probably, uh, when it came to vehicles that was uh, in, liable for insurance, yes, because it did occupy space at my premises. Uh, at the present moment, I've got about six or seven vehicles. I've got a the 2016 Ford, just an example, a 2016 Ford, focus that is uh fourth fiesta that huh? that is lined uh with me and that vehicle is lined from last year, January. You know, so it, it's just over a year, I would say. And the customer follows me every now and again, and she doesn't have money. And she's trying to look, uh, allocate a job for herself, which doesn't pay well. And it, it's a list that goes on. I, I think we mechanics, you yeah, have the best of excuses. Some of them, obviously, not everything is not fruitful, you know. So, no, when it comes to uh, a person who is a private person, I, I've never charged, uh you know, or... Uh, any money whatsoever when it came to storage. I, I do get a bit uh, agitated at times because space is utilized, and then I just move the vehicle from my workshop into somebody's yard as such, so it actually it does not affect me when it comes to my business itself. But uh, no, definitely not.
1: Yeah, and, well, and then, uh, you know, you get the call-out fees. Uh, people call you. Well, the people like yourself will go and give a coat uh, to someone. Uh, you know, you charge for call-out fees, and uh, maybe, you know, uh, the pollsters will do it and some won't even do it. They'll say, okay, no, no, call out or quotation is for free. What's your thoughts on that? Should they appear like those that are giving a, a quotation give it for free or should they be charging for call out fees? Or what's your
0: thoughts on that? Alhamdulillah, yeah, I don't, I, don't I, I I think I might have charged once or twice when it came to call outs. The reason being, I come uh, but highly recommended in this field, you know, with no self-praise whatsoever. So obviously when a person is stuck or no matter where he is, be it f- uh, far away, whatever, I will utilize my petrol. And I feel it's embarrassing to actually ask them for a the call out fee. Because remember, you're going to go your diagnostic machine all the way there. You, it's really going to cost you some money, but the chance are ninety percent that you're going to get the job because that is the reason you get called out to this premises to said person. You know, so Alhamdulillah, make sure kind of that I, I don't really charge a call-out fee because I do get the vehicle in, and the the loss that is incurred by travelling or for the time that we use, uh, I think you know we actually cover it in the actual cost of doing the repair at our premises, and most of the vehicles are actually told to us. So. It's not something I would actually recommend because really, you know, some people do want to fish around, but generally I advise and I I listen to people's problems over the phone. I advise them accordingly, and then only if I feel the need to rise away, I need to actually go to the said vehicle, then only I I, I worry about that aspect. Otherwise, no, I, I don't generally go out quite often. Yeah, and well,
1: then the barakah flows. Uh, you know, as you said, you don't chase the dunya, and rosy is given by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You have your priorities right, and Alhamdulillah. And uh, you know, I know about you that uh, you have done uh, you know, many other jobs uh, for those uh, that already you know, didn't have the money. Or oh, sometimes, uh, Anwar is that type of individual. If he's sitting and he looks at a vehicle and he sees an old cha cha there, and he sees the vehicle rusted, uh, you go up to the old man and you tell them, hey, you know what? Can I do a favor? I want to do something for you. And I know it's uh, Rajab, Shaban, Ramadan. Your heart melts, Anwar. Perhaps, yes, a great evening in your company. Uh, We
0: have a few seconds to go. Your parting words, Anwar? No, you know, I I need to talk about our government. You know, I'll tell you why, (laughs) Brother Shafat. Because, you know, for the last, I I think, Beach, a lot of us didn't have uh, flights for a full four to five days. And I must credit our government. I think a lot of people will actually credit him, because he has taught all of us, in every different religion, the mean of suffer, Honestly, he has. Uh, because everyone you speak to, be it whatever religion nowadays, no, I'm leaving it to God, I'm leaving it to Anuman. I'm leaving it to Allah, I'm leaving it to somebody. So he has actually done this, brother Shafar. I mean, how great is this man, uh, because look at the heat that we're experiencing, look at the frustration people are going through, but a lot of people are taking it in this time. So, some are people out there, you know, uh, we will be tested, you know, if it's not by a man that's from this dunya, it will be from other elements also. Just hold your head high, you know, lower your gaze, and inshallah, all the tribules or all the, the the hardships of this dunya that has it has to offer will definitely pass. Just hang in there. That's all I have to say for people. Don't go in the towel so soon. Uh,
1: very wise words uh, from a wise man uh, known as Anwar Qasim. He is a world-class mechanic. He's an economist. he's a lecturer and he does it. And he, it seems like he knows his religion. Yeah, he knows his comparative religion there. Anwar, uh, you uh, have a beautiful and a lovely evening ahead. We will talk to you soon. Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Wa alaikum
1: wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go for the Isha Azan and inshallah. We will continue after that.